always consult your physician or healthcare professional before starting this or any other health or wellness program. Hello there, my name is Corey Durbin, CEO of Shared Health Alliance, and I'd like to welcome you to Running Eyes, a podcast where we take a meaningful, deep dive into the relationships, strategies, and global mission of ASH to change healthcare and change lives. All right, we're back for part two of our discussion with Dr. Todd Frisch. We're really starting to uh, have some some fun talking about digging into his book, the book he co-authored with Abby called WTF or Why the Face. And uh, we're going to dive deeper into the whole concept of facial diagnosis. Thanks for uh, hanging with us for so long, Doc. Oh, great. And just remember, you can only read this book on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday because even the, even the calendar has a W. UTF, so it's all good. <laughs> Perfect. And I, I would say once somebody puts fix it up, they might not be able to put it down. So uh, it yeah. might only take them Wednesday. So yeah. um, one of the things you talk about is, uh, you know, expressing emotions helps save your organs. That was life lesson number seven, which is good for me because, uh, you know, that's probably right up my alley. But I also really appreciate that you talk about or, or you help give a different perspective uh, when you say every face is beautiful. And I'll say, yeah. I'm not sure I've always looked at the world that way. And, you know, how does that concept uh, play into this idea of facial diagnosis? Well, that's actually life lesson number eight. And I think I'll, I'll answer that better on eight. But uh, the emotional aspect of health, um, again, is so key. And, and, you know, there's three levels of health. There's a physical level of health. And I'm good at that. I, I feel comfortable and competent. I understand it on a very deep level. There's a mental emotional level of health, which really, <laughs> you know, it, it's a tough, it's a tough area. Uh, it was interesting. Um, uh, MIT once was um, given the the task of building a computer that could do what the brain could do. And, uh, and so they, they, through their systematic way of doing things, they, they said, well, we can do it, but that computer would be the size of Texas. It'd be seven stories tall <laughs> to house all the data that the brain can do and all the functions that the brain can do. It was interesting, like 20 years later, they did it again and they said, well, with microcircuitry and all this kind of stuff, uh, absolutely, but it would be the size of Connecticut and be four, foot, four stories tall. So <laughs> the, the brain is is a remarkable thing. Uh, I, I, I remember I was giving a talk uh, to a group of um Patients, um, it was there's our puppy. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, we have a new dog named Lambo, and he's uh, having, having some issues here. So let's get that done. Uh, anyway, um, so I'm surprised I, you didn't I name him, rename talk. him Brady after this past year. So yeah, that, well, thank you for sharing the fact that the was lost to Brady. Uh, <laughs> I want that in this tape. <laughs> that was mean. That so, was very mean. Yeah. All right, keep going. That was, that was mean. So, so I, 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 I'm giving this talk. Uh, it was a, it's called a warrior event, a shape warrior event, and, and doctors will have, oftentimes bring a lot of their patients together and they'll come as an outsider and, and talk about shape and, and how it, you know, just, just to give, you know, I'm, I'm the, the authority from, from a distance. Anyway, <clears throat> so somehow the conversation gets, gets into um, facial diagnosis. And uh, so 
in, I mean, it's now a question and answer. And this lady stands up and said, I've had a rash on my left arm that will not go away. It's been there for four years. And uh, and, I, and I'm and i looking at her and she says, I, I've, I've gone to every dermatologist, medical doctor, they've tried steroids, everything. Nothing has worked. And I'm looking at her and she's got puffiness under her, underneath her left eye. And that's, uh, so left side of the face and facial diagnosis is the male side. It's our father's influence and what we, it's our deep inner, truer self. The right side as a mother's influence that's what we show the, show the world and and I'm looking at her and I I said uh, I said to her you've been diagnosed with depression correct and her eyes got big and she said yeah and I said the medication didn't work did it and she said no it made me worse and I said um, and I'm thinking do I do I go there you know you get that check in your spirit like do you really want to go there so I, I, I'm looking at her and staring at her for maybe 15 seconds which it, it, when the crowd is waiting for you to speak 15 seconds is eternity sure. and I, I said to her I said to her you know um, the skin is governed by the metal element in traditional Chinese medicine the metal element is your lung and large intestine and I said um, the fat and she, you know she said four years ago I said so I have to ask you what happened four years ago she she says, well, I don't think anything. And I said, well, I'll, I'll tell you, it, it had to do uh, with the emotion of despair because the emotion of the metal element is despair, sorrow, sadness. There's a hopelessness component and it had to do with a male. And she mm. lost it. I mean, tears just mm. burst out and said, my husband left me for secretary and my whole world just changed. And uh, But here's the interesting. She says, what do I do to fix this? And I said to her, you just did. Mm. And she said, why? I said, knowledge is power. You did not, you were never depressed. It was despair. It was a hopeless situation. It, this gal was from mm. Chicago and she, she drove to St. Louis to hear me speak. Um, and I met her at another thing that I was doing in Chicago and she came up to me and showed me her arm and she said, it's totally gone. And I was there for four years. Wow. <laughs> you know, the, the power of the brain's ability to get someone well uh, and she just needed to understand that she had an emotional concussion and it, it, it allowed her not to function right. If I write another book, I'm going to call it The Emotional Concussion. Isn't that a good title? <laughs> I don't know if that feels like it would be a very good thing, but uh, the, the, pow- the title of the book is wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely sure tells did. the story. But, you know, you start off that section uh, with a quote uh, by an author named Lindsay Sands. And she says, your face is marked with the lines of life put there by love and laughter, suffering in tears and it's just as we really start to dig into the concept of facial diagnosis the the markings on our face really tell a significant story about us don't they and they do there are these microsystems. I mean, everything that happens to you is registered in every cell of your body. Every cell has a complete total memory of everything that's ever happened to you. And that's, you know, that's not a difficult concept to jump into. You know, we start with a sperm and an egg. They meet, they form one cell, and the sperm has just got this rapid, fast, incredible, fast energy to it. And it's pulsing. With this. And this, this egg has this speeding beating, beating 72 beats per minute. And when one of those fast acting sperm fertilize that ovum, at that moment, both pulses stop and then they beat together. Mm. So to answer when life begins, it starts with a one cell organism. So how is it difficult that that one cell would lose memory? It's not a difficult concept to accept the fact that every cell has complete memory of everything that's happened. And the body will mark itself. It'll mark itself on the face. It'll mark itself in the iris. I do something called auricular therapy with acupuncture on the ear. The entire body's mapped out on the ear. There's hand reflexology, foot reflexology, all these 
techniques. And everybody says, well, that's bizarre. That's strange. That's odd. That's satanic, you know, whatever. Uh, no, it's not. It's it's the human body that our Father in Heaven created that is this magnificent, fearfully, and wonderfully made body that if we can just tap into its knowledge and tap into the fixing mechanism, this is how this lady fixed her four-year armrest that wouldn't go away because she was treating it as a skin problem. Skin problems are never a problem with the skin. Something else is going on in the body. I find it absolutely fascinating. I know you you have spoken to uh, another friend of mine, Scott Miller, had Miller Family Pediatrics, yes. and he yes. uh, keeps referencing the book, The Body Keeps the Score, which I'm guessing maybe you, you've read. I cannot say that I have. Yes. Uh, my wife has read it now. Yep. And I, it's a, it, that's what this is all about, right? I, I think it's really in this. I want to be careful with this because my daughters were uh, nice enough to share some photos. Uh, yes. and, but one of the things I noticed, I've been having fun trying this facial diagnosis thing is sure. I looked at their left ears and I, you can tell me if I was off base, but they had what do you call the notch in the heel in the, the notch helix. In the, if yeah. that's, the not, so yeah, the helix they each the had one. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed mm-hmm. on the left ear is um, one of my daughters would have been at nine years old and the other one would have been at eight and they're a year apart. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm if that was an accurate reading, but I just like and so we were my wife and I are like first of all, you can tell me did I did I really see what I think I saw if you if you, you had a chance I looked at those pictures. Beautiful young ladies they've become. My goodness. They were little kids doing cartwheels when I met them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gorgeous. Goes yeah. fast, as you know. Yeah. Yeah, it goes fast. Well that, I thought that yeah. was so yeah. interesting. So my wife and I are like, Well, if I'm seeing what I think I'm seeing, we're trying to figure out what was it at that point seven years ago where yes. you know there would have been the same year so yeah. i'm not sure we've got our we've got an idea but not sure we've got our finger on it yeah sometimes you just have to let let it unload into your brain and the answer will come so can our face shapes change not only can they they should change absolutely and it's just and a lot of this you know is just a natural adaptation to the environment you're in why does why do these beautiful blonde long-haired blonde women from norway have these long noses in their you know, just these, this, why, why do they have that? And why do people at the equator have very short noses with large nostrils? Well, up there in the north, you want to warm the air that's coming in. So the body just will, through genetics, create a much longer, thinner nose to warm the air. Now, in the mm. equator, you don't want to warm the air. You want to just take it in where it is because it's too hot. So their noses are short and their, their nostrils are bigger. So it's just part of how our, our creator. Now, if you moved the the gal from Norway down to the equator, would her nose change? And I'm saying it would. Mm, it would. Interesting. Because it's supposed to change. And, it, you know, life's events cause us to change. You know, the nose represents power, drive, and ego. So more is more is less is less. That's the ultimate thing in Chinese, uh, in, in facial diagnosis. So if you have a bigger nose, you have more power, drive, and ego. And the classic example is is uh, Michael Jackson. Beautiful nose. And he kept mm-hmm. chopping it off to spite his face. And at the end, he had no nose. He had no power, no drive, no ego. And he ended up dying at age 50. One of the greatest mm. talents that ever walked on this earth from a musical standpoint. And um, and he really chopped off his nose despite his face. 
Sadly. That's that's really uh, interesting because I, you know, I I don't know statistics. Maybe you do, but so many people and so much money is spent on cosmetic surgeries, and women are you know injecting the collagens into their cheeks and lips <laughs> yeah. and wherever, and changing their face. And there's men that do that too, of course. And it's uh, what I would imagine from what I learn of facial diagnosis that that doesn't have a positive impact on who you are as a person. You know, it, it could. If you have a nose that you okay. every time you look in the mirror, you you have self hate. Um, I can see where it would be beneficial. Now, when you get into the anti aging world, now you get toxic. You know, okay. anti aging say, I, I'm fearing death. I have no fear of death. I don't personally want to be first in line. But man, I got some questions <laughs> to ask. You know, uh, but you know, I, I don't like that whole. Anti-aging energy. Uh, I accept the aging process. I love what has happened to my brain with the aging process. I'm not so happy what's happened to my body, my inability to squat with ease. Uh, but you know, I yeah. do like what my brain has done. So it's it. So the the face should change, and it's a good thing for it to change. Okay, that's that's helpful for me to understand too. So that was yeah. that sort of hit on you mentioned life lesson number eight, which is facial diagnosis changes how you see people. So I can almost yeah. hear you saying, "What a face!" person yeah. has. <laughs> well, here, here's where it goes back to my first two children died. And had they lived, um, Abby is my fifth. She's my last. Mm. Uh, would have had a fourth child had the first two lived. I mean, I, I had Casey, my third, uh, who was just the most delightful human being and a wonderful artist. She would have been on this earth. My son, Toby, maybe, maybe not, but definitely would not have had a fifth child. And had mm. that not happened, these words would have never been written. And Abby writes these words. Something fantastic about learning, I'm going to read it from the book. Something fantastic about learning to read faces that you stop looking at people as more or less pretty. When you learn to read faces, every person becomes beautiful, unique, and Individual. To see strength is inspiring and motivating. Seeing weakness increases awareness and empathy and helps you to be more kind. Face di facial mm -hmm. diagnosis doesn't just help you become a better doctor. It helps you become a better person. That would have been a tragic thing had those words never made it on this earth. So, Yeah, wow. That's that's powerful for sure. We, yeah. <laughs> uh, we mentioned this sort of at the beginning, but the challenge of uh, self, there's a lot of people with low self-esteem and I, I think you're you referenced Proverbs fifteen thirteen that says a happy heart makes a cheerful face. And I think that the Bible also says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And there are a lot of us yeah. who struggled with self-esteem. I, I struggled with self-esteem issues big time through my high school years and, you know, just feeling awkward and not feeling like you fit in. And, uh, you know, the, those are really powerful words that Abby wrote. And hopefully they're an encouragement yes. to somebody today that's, that's hearing Absolutely. this. Love your face. It's what God gave you, and uh, um, it's it's just it's a great face. You have a great face. Who is ever listening? I just you have a great face. To us, face <laughs> readers, every face is fantastic, filled with just a breadth of and depth of uh, interesting things. So what is it about the facial diagnosis, Todd, that helps patients feel so understood, which I, I think is a really, we all have that, we crave that in general. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I remember feeling like yeah. that the first time that I came into your office. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Um, people want to be listened to. We've created a medical environment where we're forcing the doctors to be on such a tight schedule um, that they really cannot be there in a moment. I can, with facial diagnosis, I can spend seven 
and a half minutes with a patient and they think I, they've, I've spent a half hour with them. And it's really about, you know, facial diagnosis for me came down to patient compliance. I wanted patients to agree with what I'm asking them to do. I've spent a lot of time studying and learning and thinking, and I wanted them to to just get it. So if someone comes in to the dance floor and they're dancing the waltz, but you're not good at the waltz, you want to dance the swing and you try to dance with that person, it's not going to go well. That's that's obvious. But uh, 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 on a bigger level, when so there are nine face shapes in my world, uh, uh, and I'm a bucket head. So when I'm talking to a bucket head, we like to put things in our bucket. We love to learn. We love to think. We could sit in a chair all day. We need nothing but our brain to just enjoy the process of thinking and making lists about things we like to think about. And I will say to that patient, I know you have to think about what I'm asking you to do. And I, I want you to do that. I honor the fact that you have to think about this. But I want you to think about it in this way. And they go, oh, and they would be compliant. If an iron face, think of Winston Churchill, he's a classic iron face. They're the three S's. They're strong, they're stable, they're stubborn. So when I'm talking to them, I'll use words like, if you can dedicate yourself to this program, if you if you can follow through on this program, you're going to be amazed at what you can accomplish. If it's a king face like my wife, um, they don't want to talk about the weather. They don't want to talk about sports. Can you help me? How long is it going to take? What's it going to cost? Let's go. Uh, let's move. So each face to me uh, was the music that they're dancing, that they want to dance to. So I would dance with them and I would get patient compliance. Now, does that sound sinister? And all? No, it's not. It's about helping sick people get well. And I used this technique to help me get into them and they could hear me in that seven and a half minute time I had with them, but they thought it was 20 minutes because I was all in. I was all there. I want to read a great book by Mark Batterson. He's a pastor. Audi's called All In. It's just a fantastic book about being all in. And uh, people want to be heard. They want to be listened to. But if you listen with that better ear, um, they're going to think you've spent an eternity with them. And yet it was, in my case, seven mm. and a half minutes. <laughs> love Batterson. Long love, short uh, question. No, that's that's so, so, perfect. I, I, Batterson's great. I, I really enjoy it. The Circle Maker that he wrote. That's yeah, a fantastic yeah. book. Um, so yeah. many others, but it's uh, that connection point. You know, from a medical standpoint, is really powerful. And I even thinking about it from you know from just a, a sales meeting or an interview. Absolutely. We spend quite a bit of time. I do when I'm getting a meeting, trying to connect with that person or people that I'm in the room with. And sure. you can shortcut that a little bit and you want to connect. That's that. That's really what I hear you're doing in, in your sessions with the patient is you're, you're like, I know how to connect with you and I don't have to spend 20 minutes asking you what color you like and what your hobbies are. Sure. Exactly. I mean, you get right to it. Imagine yeah. if you're hiring people. Do you want to do you want to hire a king face to work on the line at Chrysler? I don't think so. You know, it's just they. They can do it, but they won't ever be happy. And if they're not happy, they're going to be troublemakers. So, you, you know, this is not, I would love to work for the NFL and say, you can judge their talent, but don't draft that guy because that's a mistake. <laughs> and this is why. And uh, and I give some, I've lectured in, in a sports arena a number of times and uh, and it's, uh, these coaches just light up, you know, they uh, they understand it. Tom Brady is a, is a tree face. Tree faces are about growing on their own. They're about spreading their branches and protect. How many times has Brady re- 
worked his contract. Now he's going to be paid into his late sixties, millions of dollars because he's, you know, he <laughs> say, well, he, he moved to Tampa Bay for this and that. No, he moved there because the taxes are less. They don't pay, they don't pay state tax there. That's why he moved to Tampa Bay. He's got nothing to do You know, he's, he's got all this money that's going to come in and he's not going to be taxed on it. Well, I think that's a good thing, you know? So, <laughs> but he's a tree face. He's all about protecting others. And, uh, and that's what he's done. He's, he's changed his thing. He just did it again. So they could sign an another player and he's got seven Super Bowl trophies. What do you think about his life energy? What he's putting out? Think about that. He has given so much to allow other people to come on board. He's an amazing leader. Um, it's just remarkable. Drew Brees is a king face. He's a classic leader. Just sees both sides mm-hmm. and issues. Tends to be very, very fair. Aaron Rodgers, same same kind of face. But uh, you, you know, just uh, I, I read a, I, I do something called a cryptoquip where I you know, substitute letters and you have to figure out this code but it was a quote by, by Teddy Roosevelt, and I'll, I'll, I'll ruin it here, but he said, has history ever remembered a man whose life uh, was total ease? Never. Mm-hmm. Nobody that's lived the life of ease is remembered by history. People that stood out and said the Vince Lombardi's of the world that, you know, it, 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 you know these people changed history because they made a difference. I, I, I find it fascinating. So Brady is a tree face. Uh, I think you told me I'm a tree face. So uh, I, I don't have Brady Super Bowl rings. But since you since you and I are on the phone and I mean on this podcast together, do a little quick facial diagnosis on me if you remember those characteristics. Just so maybe some related re, some yeah, of our listeners yeah. can so, relate to oh even the guy that's on the phone and I could confirm some of these things. <laughs> yeah, it's a tree face. So you like to grow on your own. You do not like to be trimmed back. You like to see the sky. You want to put those branches out and what does this guy, what can it give me? Put you in a little room, <laughs> send you straight to hell. It's, it's a bad thing. But again, your, your, your gift to mankind is you really spread your branches to protect. You'll take care of everybody underneath your branches. The problem I had with my female tree faces, they were so into protecting others, they, they didn't take care of themselves. That's the danger in the female tree face, the mm. soccer mom, where they, they were doing all these kind of things. So there's just a net. You're deeply rooted spiritually. You can take the winds of life better than any other face simply because you're a tree you can you you're you're firmly entrenched it's just mm. it's just the nature of who you are again yeah that but you have to grow on your own you cannot you cannot be trimmed back the worst thing <laughs> to do to, to a tree face is to trim them back that's uh, let their ideas just go out there because they're, they're going to be great ideas well that those things all resonate for me and when we sold i sold our first company back in 2012 and we sold to a big uh consulting firm and, you know, when they bought us, they told me, hey, we buy entrepreneurs and we want you to keep doing what you were doing before we bought you. And, and uh, you know, do, you just use our resources. And I'm like, I can I can really get into that. And when yeah, I got over there, it wasn't the lop- like they that. They took out their loppers. They took out those loppers. They did. Sauce. They did. And so at the end of the day, they didn't like me and I didn't I like them. And <laughs> not well, not well. And I feel bad for them, too. But but I wasn't the one that said you get to go be yourself. And if they would have just said to me, hey, we're going to buy you and you have to be a soldier for three years i actually probably would have done it at that time in my life yeah, sure, uh, i would sure. still have had a different attitude at the time but um but it but when you tell me those things it's more oh that makes more sense of why i behaved sure. or why i inter- you know responded the way i did but uh there's so much yeah. there i the, so that you've got all these face shapes now when we get into features and um i, I when we started this conversation I was like oh my gosh how am i going to do all this i don't even 
don't have time and we haven't have any, I don't have enough time and we haven't even started. Uh, we're, we're not even a minute in, but uh, we're getting, we're getting close here. So we're, um, we talk about, uh, you talk about the faith circuit a little bit and you do that as, sure. as life lesson number nine. And going back to this sweet spot idea of the halfway between ignorance and arrogance is the sweet spot. And your quote in this life lesson number nine is that your clinical successes have always been much greater than your abilities. So at some point, Todd, you moved from, you know, arrogance closer to somewhere in the middle. And I would have never defined you as arrogant. Uh, but I, that I just really a powerful place that it feels like you got to in this realization. I don't know if you have a comment. on. Yeah. You know, as these successes piled up in my world, I went, I, I'm simply not this good. I would have people come before me and give me their history. And I'd be looking at them with my doctor face on and being, you know, this what I'm supposed to be. And in my head, I'm going, what are you doing here? I'm a chiropractor. Are you nuts? This is such a bad <laughs> idea. You are so, so above my pay grade. And then I take a breath and I would say, you know, my target of health, what's their pH doing? Are they, are they too acidic? How do they handle stress? How's the digestion and detoxification? How's their immune system? I would just, I would just work my way through the things that I felt were most important. And I would fix the things as they came up uh, with the techniques that I used and they, they would do well. So when I teach this faith circuit to the physicians, I will say, this is, this is the faith circuit. You as a physician have to have faith in what you do. And the only way you'll get it and maintain maintain it is you have to continue to learn. If you quit learning, even dead fish go with the flow. <laughs> you know, they're going downstream mm -hmm. dead. So that just because you're moving doesn't mean there, there's life <laughs> there. So you have to continue to learn and strive and, and just get in there and continue to be better. Now, when you have that energy about you and someone comes to you, they're going to feel it and they're going to have faith in you. And you got to be a total schmuck to screw that up. You, you, you just, <laughs> you can't screw it up. It's just the patient back to this lady with the rash on her arm. She healed herself because she knew what the problem was. And her brain says, I got this. So mm. when, when patients have faith in you, that completes the faith circuit. Then just follow what you do. Take that stuff that's down in your well and apply it to the patient in front of you. And then they would get well and ask for God's help every time. <laughs> there, there's, I think there's a message in that just for the average Joe. And by that, I mean somebody like me that's not uh, a practitioner, not a medical practitioner. And, you know, you, we, we have to trust our instinct a little bit. We tend to doubt ourselves. And it's sure, sure. Uh, refreshing to find a practitioner who actually thinks thinks that way as well. And it's that's not easy to find. That's one of the reasons I really enjoyed the conversation with Scott Miller as well. Um, that for sure. When you got, when you opened up the conversation, when you and Abby, I should say, opened up the conversation about facial features in the book, you started with a map of the faith, if I recall correctly. Right. And that's really, that's really the key on the medical, on the practitioner side, isn't it? Because the face, what, the markings on where they are on the face tell, tell a medical story as well. They're diagnosed. Diagnostic, exactly. And, you know, people think, oh, this is ridiculous. So for everybody that's listening, I'm just going to tell you some things. So between your eyebrows is an area of your body that represents your liver. So what? 
Okay, it does. Mm. Now, the emotion of the liver in excess is anger. And I, I promise you, every one of you, walk up to a mirror right now, make an angry face, and watch what happens between your eyebrows. You're going to get one or two or three lines that are going to form. So now, if mm. those lines are there in a neutral face, it's telling us we've got an imbalance in the liver. This is not mm. that difficult. How many times have you seen your little baby with a cough with these just beet red cheeks? Well, that's heat in the lungs because the chief cheeks represent lungs. And it's it's it just what is. How many mm. times do you see someone with high blood pressure have a bulbous nose? You also get it with alcoholism. Uh, so you have to, you know, there's some diagnostic parameters that history will give you. Uh, how many women break out with on their chin every menstrual cycle? Well, that the chin represents the, the sex organs and the reproductive system. So this isn't some woo science. This is, you know, thousands of years of observation that have been now applied today. Now, we've abandoned this because we have MRIs, we have CTs, we have PET scans. Those things are fantastic unless you've got symptoms and there's nothing wrong. Then perhaps mm-hmm. asking what's not right is the way to go. So these things on the face are diagnostic. Nothing on the face doesn't have another meaning. If you've got a lump, a bump, a mole, uh, whatever. I mean, if you've had a scar or an injury, that obviously is different. But, uh, but you know, it's it, it just is. Wow. Well, I, I think that it gets to life less Lesson number 10, which is that how facial features send a powerful message to the world. And uh, it seems to suggest that this idea that, well, back up for a second. I think you hit on the right side, left side of the face, and you even mm-hmm. commented on that in, in my facial right. diagnosis. And yeah. uh, that's really telling. I'd love to hear you talk about that for a it second. Is. It is. So the right side of your face is your mother's influence. It's your uh, it's your it's what you show to the public. Energetically, you just project it out there. People cannot even see the left side of someone's face. I, I promise you, when you look at someone, you don't see it because energetically, they don't want you to see it because the left side is your mm. true inner private self and it's your father's influence. That's not good or bad. It just is. It's just our observation. And so this right side, left side, look at look at every politician, cover their left face and see what they show to the world. And they're engaging. They're there. Now flip it and you will see the most sinister, most toxic look on so many of them. It's, it's, it's a scary thing to do. It's nothing short of um, terrifying to to see who their true inner self is. I show a picture of a rock star uh, in in my lectures. It's not in the book, but um, I I show you know I show the face and and you know handsome looks like a rock star, very very rock starish long hair and the you know everything's perfect on him. And and I said so this way shows to the world. And I show the side. It's kind of a smirky kind of thing. He's kind of very self assured. And then I said. And before I show you this, I ask you, would you want your daughter to date this guy? And I flip it over to the left, the left side, and it's like, oh my! I mean, the the gasp. I won't even mention his name, <laughs> but the gasp I get from the audience is nothing short of, oh, I, oh my goodness! They never saw it because the right side energetically, and energy is an interesting principle, but but it simply exists. And just just to hitchhike on the energy thing, I want everybody in the audience that's listening simply and Corey. What you do? Fold your fold your hands, interlock like you're going to pray. Okay. Mm-hmm. So okay. when I when I do, I my right thumb is over my left thumb. Okay. Now take your hands completely apart and do the opposite. This doesn't feel right, does it? No, it feels awful. 
it feels awful. Energetically, it's not right. What's the difference? The difference is huge. That's the energy that created this universe. It's it's just mm. energy. That energy when I'm when I'm left over right, it's not right. When I'm right over left, mm. I'm connected. I'm there. And it's and mm. it is it, so when people talk about energy and oh that don't don't go to the doctor talks about energy or yin and yang, they're evil. No, they're not. It's just it's the, it's the energy that created the world. Simple. So are there any particular facial features that tell the story most prominently, or is it kind of all the features working together? And maybe there's yeah. maybe that's a yeah. different question from a clinical and a personality yeah, clini- perspective. Clinically, you know, clinically, you know, I'm doing facial diagnosis now on people I know I have no history. In a clinical setting, you've come in, you've filled out your paperwork, I've got maybe some blood tests I've looked at, and I come in and I do a workup on you, and then I think it through and I give you a report of findings. When I'm doing facial diagnosis now, I don't know these people, so I'm just winging it based on what the face tells us. So what could be significant, if you've got a hook-shaped line on your chin, and uh, which for the male, it represents your prostate, for the female, it's your uterus. Uh, For the female, if that hook-shaped line is, is a sign that's a tipped uterus, for the male, it's a prostate problem. Now, if this guy can't urinate properly, gets up 16 times a night uh, and he's got low back pain, I'm going to investigate his prostate. I'm going to get a PSA on him. I'm going to say, we got to do some things here and kind of figure this thing out. So the history, the symptoms become diagnostically more significant to the facial feature um, than if you're just winging it. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you use the phrase a lot in your book about thinking and linking. And I guess you can only think and link so much if, if all you're seeing is a picture and you don't, right, you're not right. talking to somebody personally. You, uh, you also mentioned a close friend of yours in your book named Ed. I know all, Ed yeah. as well. And <laughs> you, you say in the book, he is the largest jaw you've ever seen on a human being. Uh, yeah. I'm assuming that must have been tough for his mom out of the womb, huh? <laughs> actually, yeah. Actually, he wasn't that way. He was a very weak, uh, weak child and not physically fit at all. And he got into weight training and weightlifting and he formed his mm. body to be, you know, the jaw is about determination and uh, he's just determined. He's just a powerful individual. And, but he made himself into that. And to hear his story of how anemic and weak and uh, picked on as he was. And then he went into changing his body and it changed his face to this powerful face. He's also an iron face, strong, stable, stubborn. Well, I, I actually knew that I kind of was joking about him coming out of his mom's womb because I, I, I appreciate you pick on it so quickly. It's accentuating the idea that the way we live um, can change the shape of our face, right? So it's, absolutely, absolutely, we're not just um, yeah. we're not just we, we uh, victims of our circumstance. Yeah, what we eat and drink will change it. I, I look at W. C. Fields. He had rhinophema, this huge nose. Well, he's an alcoholic, so the nose, the, the shape of the nose changed based on him putting alcohol into his body in excess. So yes, we can use uh, facial and people have used facial diagnosis forever. We we all do facial diagnosis. We just we just put legs to it in our book. Mm. When you when your daughter comes down in the morning and you go, don't you feel good today? What did you see that morning you didn't see the morning before? You just did facial diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Life lesson number 11. We're getting close to kind of wrapping up here, but this idea of thinking with your brain. This is way too much fun. (laughs) (laughs) I know it is fun. And I, it's, this is probably as much the, the, this is the really important part. All of this is super important. And we've built up to this point, right? But this idea of thinking with your brain and your heart, and you have a great quote in there that I just love. It says, you say, sometimes we don't find the 
answer we are looking for. Instead, we discover an answer we are supposed to find. Yeah. And that's, I think a lot of us lose what we're supposed to find because we don't get that thing we wanted. And instead, we get the thing we need and we don't realize that. Is that that kind of where you go with with that a little bit? Yeah. So, uh, I'll I'll share this story. I had this guy come in with a neurological problem. I never did help him, by the way. Um, and so when I have a tough patient, uh, I rely on prayer. I will simply, I get up very early in the morning and I have a quiet time and, and I will, um, I will pray and I'll go to my wall of books and I'll just walk by them with my eyes closed and just letting my hand out there in the universe waiting for something. And I will be drawn to a book. I will grab the book, not even look at it. I will carry it back to my roll top desk. I will fan the pages and I will stop and I will begin reading. I get it. This is woo-woo. This is weird. This is wild. But <laughs> it, it worked for me. Okay. I just, I was led so many times to the right, to the right thing. And the book I had picked up for this guy with his neurological disorder was, was the um, medical embryology. And I'm reading about a sperm and an egg. It talks about you know, the sperm and, you know, the, I, I mentioned that the sperm has a very rapid pulse and the egg has a slower pulse. And they meet and they form one cell, a zygote, and that forms to two and then four and then eight and then 16. The 16 cell uh, embryo is called the Marola. That's a buckethead thing that we remember. But as this is going on, the author shifts to the next paragraph and says, in this whirlwind of activity, that's not a word you see in the medical textbook, whirlwind. You know, it's just, it's not... it's not a medical term and where this is this rapid cellular proliferation and the body is just growing cells and dividing he says there's a black mass that forms and as the cellular division continues to to change that black mass separates and it goes up and down and there's connections to it and the top become of that black mass becomes the brain and the bottom becomes the heart and there's a there's an intimate physiological connection between the heart and the brain. And back to the original quote uh, in that we hear about, as a man thinketh, um, so is he. Well, and, you know, as a man thinketh is James Allen's famous book, but it's as a man thinketh in his heart. So when I had this moment with this patient that I never did help, I realized as a physician, I have this wonderful brain. I love my brain. I'm a buckethead. I, I live to think, but I had to shift my heart energy into it. And my, mm-hmm. my success has just skyrocketed. So I got the answer I needed instead of the answer that uh, that I was looking for. And I never did help the young man with the neurological problem, but I sure got help as a physician. And I thank him for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I feel like that's part of this. I forget what life lesson it is, but kind of being thankful thankful for unanswered prayers and they sort of play hand in hand, you know? yeah. How many times in my life where I've prayed about something and you, you think you know what you want the answer to be and then you realize when as soon as so usually for me it's right when I decide I'm about to give up um, in the sense that oh God doesn't hear me then you know yeah. and the answer comes along and it might not be the answer I wanted but it's probably better than the answer I wanted or at least it gives me some other revelation which I just love so how do we put it all together so we, it, it, you kind of get to this point on okay it's Monday morning now now, you know, we've been to church on Sunday, right? 
we don't want Monday to forget everything we learned on Sunday. And so, you know, we want our members to have the best chance of living a healthy life. And some people might listen to this and say, ah, that's all hooey. And that's that kind of thing isn't for me. And that's totally okay. And some people might gravitate toward this and say, you know, I, I, I need a different direction and answer. And that's great too. But for somebody who's saying, you know what, that's really interesting. And I feel like I'm stuck or I need some some guidance I haven't been getting before. So what do, what is a practitioner or a patient or even say a parent or a person in their day-to-day job, where do they go with this kind of information um, come, come Monday morning, say? Yeah. Well, the taking answer is, you know, <laughs> buy our book. And I hate saying that. You know, I, I spent a career, my advertising budget in my career was zero. I had referrals only practice. It was hugely successful. Now I have a company called Shape Reclaim that I have a book called Why the Face that I have to promote. And it's and it's an uncomfortable place for me to be because I'm, I'm, I, I'm not comfortable uh, selling, as it were. Mm-hmm. But the book will give you insights into yourself. And, and when you see you have huge ears, ears about risk-taking and longevity. Oh, you know, I come from people that lived in their late 80s and 90s, and I have no problem taking risks. And I got a small ear, more, more or less is less. So smaller ears is longevity may still be in the family, but it's less likely. And they're not big risk takers. So knowing that your risk taker um, can help you in your decision making, saying, okay, I'm taking a risk here because I'm Am I taking it because I enjoy the thrill of taking a risk? So you can really kind of change your thinking about your decision making because you know what your body is. And it's 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 fascinating to to make people aware of what they already know is true. We just confirm that with face diagnosis. And it's because they know internally that that's the kind of person they are. And it, and mm-hmm. so knowing these traits can make you, as Abby say, a better, not only a better doctor, but a better person. So for the physician, it helps you understand what's not right. For the for the person, it is, wow, you know, I've, I've got these big puffy bags underneath my eyes, but my blood pressure is really high. This beta blocker they're giving me has given me all kinds of problems. Well, when you got puffiness underneath your eyes, that's your kidney. There's two things that affect blood pressure. One is your pump, the heart. The other is your kidney, which regulates fluid. So if you're given mm. heart medication for a kidney high blood pressure, it's wrong. You need to be a diuretic. And that should be the first mm. question. A doctor that has a hypertensive patient, why is the blood pressure high? That's not the first question. The first question is, should I use a beta blocker? Should I use a diuretic? Should I do both? That, mm. That's bad doctoring in my world. I want to know why is that blood pressure high? Guy's cheating on his wife in an affair with three different women, and there's a private detective chasing him. You think his blood pressure is going to go up? Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> so, so uh, I, you, know, it? you have to, you, yeah, that's a fear factor, and that's a kidney deficiency condition because fear is the emotion of the kidney. So, his the, he should be on a diuretic. So, you can use it with a think and link mentality instead of that name and blame it. Well, we, I have uh, some great business partners, and uh, John and Leslie in particular run our operations out of St. Louis and we're growing, growing to a pretty good sized number of employees. And I, I'll be ordering the book for them because I, you know, I think they, they do an incredible job of hiring staff and they are, they're skilled at it. And this is uh, just another avenue for them to really identify and take it, you know, understand people a little bit more. Another, another insight that you don't get. Um, one of the other things you talk about at which life lesson number 12 is that wellness is a team effort. You talk about crossword puzzles and uh, yeah. you were, you talk about doing so, a crossword, crossword puzzle. Um, uh, go ahead. I think yeah. you know where I'm so, going. Uh, 
Yeah. So he, this is the message. If you think everything I've talked up to this point is just a bunch of hooey, I accept that. I respect that. But don't miss what I'm about to tell you. So in a really difficult time in my life, I had a serious illness. My marriage had fallen apart. One of the things a Buckethead does is he does very difficult word games and crossword puzzles and these kind of things. And in the St. Louis Dispatch, at the bottom of the crossword puzzle, there's something called a cryptoquip. And you, you are given a bunch of letters that represents other letters, R's or P's, D's or W's, and that kind of stuff. So there was this particular Sunday paper, and all I had to do was turn the page and get the answer. But I couldn't crack this thing, and, I, and I'm good at it. I'm really, really good because Bucketheads are good at deciphering things. <laughs> but the interesting thing, there was a seven-letter seven letter word and an eight-letter word, and the last six letters were identical. And I was intrigued by that. And I got out my Scrabble game. I slept on it for a little nap and my brain always figures it out during sleep. And I couldn't crack this kind of thing. But I knew the key was these last six letters of the seven letter word, the eight letter word. And the the last letters were L-L-N-E-S-S. Hmm. And then the message from my father in heaven came through so loud and clear that the seven letter word was illness and the eight letter word was wellness. How do you change mm. illness to wellness? You change the I to we. Is that not the essence of your company? Health, share, mm. you're making people a we. Eyes create disease. Eyes create wars. Hitler was an I, never had a we mentality. And he was mm. the consummate evil individual. And what what did Christ teach us? He taught us to be a we. Did he? Mm. When you shit all out, isn't it about relationships with others? It, it, you want to be sick, be an I. You want wellness, be a we. It's that simple. That uh, that that is so good. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you said it definitely better than than I could have. And it's really what this is all about. It's what what you do with Shape Reclaimed is all about. It's what your book, um, you know, why the face is all about. And certainly, um, if we don't exist as an organization and as people to serve something bigger than just our ourselves we were the most pitiable of men you know uh so very very powerful stuff so you guys have a website for why the face i know we need linda's help to get on yep. uh the the podcast today can can you know the website <laughs> wtfwhytheface.com drtodfrish.com and shapereclaim.com are the three so wtf and uh, the letters and then spell out whytheface.com face got it awesome well i think there's an awesome opportunity there for people to actually order a, uh, to have a facial diagnosis done by you and or Abby, Abby yes, yes, uh, through yes. that. So that's wonderful. Um, anything else that, that you'd like to share before before we wrap up, Todd? Only uh, thank you for allowing me to you know share really what ended up being four decades of my life in in a two hour period of time. It it's uh, it was really um, it, it's been a remarkable career, and I've uh, I'm so thankful to have been given um, abilities that I know were far above my own personal strengths. And that's why the successes were there. I give all honor to the our creator. Well, you, you're a blessing to many. And I can tell you that, you know, even in my own journey with, with my lower back issues resolved, um, you know, at one point I was 225 pounds and, you know, down to 180 through, sh through shape and basically stayed there. I'm more like 185 right now, but 186, but done pretty good because that was years and years ago. And so that, that made me feel so much healthier in my own life. And so, you know, for anybody struggling with those things or just once 
want some insight into um, some some of the health issues that they may be just puzzled by or not feeling like traditional medicine is, is giving them uh, some of the answers they're looking for, I'd encourage them to go to your websites. Uh, such a blast, Todd. You're, you're a great influence yeah. and inspiration yeah. in my life. Thank and you. I appreciate you taking the time. The only negative is it had to end. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll get to do it again soon. There's much more for you to do and we'll make it happen. So Todd, thank you for the time. Thanks. It is such a privilege to get to sit down with Dr. Dr. Frisch again. And uh, he's had such a great impact in my life and my own health journey. And we're just all connected in so many different ways. And to be able to spend the time with him and, and have him share sort of his own journey from the beginning of his career to where he is today, I, I think it's really powerful. And, you know, the, so many of us are on our own journey. We're all on a journey, of course. But to try and figure out what works for us, what works works for our family members. And uh, I think that this is just another one of those uh, opportunities to sort of broaden our, our point of view. And some of, some of you out there may ha- have family that are struggling with health issues or concerns maybe they have for years or friends. And uh, if, if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to the podcast that we did with Scott Miller of Miller Family Pediatrics, I think it's just another opportunity to uh, hear a different perspective and ways to address health issues that are outside of traditional uh, traditional insurance or traditional ways of, of looking at things. And uh, I, for one, couldn't put Todd's book down when I read it, the, the Why the Facebook. And I'd encourage anybody out there to go to his website, uh, wtfwhytheface.com and check it out. Uh, and, and I think that uh, you'll have a similar experience where you just really enjoy reading that book, give you a different perspective. And for those of you out there that it's not a health issue or or uh, that's not really the concern. Just the thing, the things that can be gleaned from the facial diagnosis, fi- facial diagnosis and facial recognition. It's really a lot of fun for business people, for anybody that's kind of wanting a new perspective on interpersonal relationships and how to uh, engage with somebody uh, and interact. You really can learn a lot. So a lot of fun with that. Um, hope you enjoyed this this podcast and the opportunity to hear Dr. Frisch and hope it. In some way has a really positive impact on your own journey. So thanks again for listening. We'll look forward to being with you next time on Running Eyes. 